Lord, you are smarter than me, wiser, stronger, better, more resilient. You are everything, Lord. I am just a sinner saved by grace, and I yield myself to you. And when we have that attitude, that's, that's revival. I've been wanting to spend these Wednesday nights with you uh, talking about how we can get our prayers answered. Um, one of the most wonderful things about knowing the Lord and having Christ in your heart is to be able to pray. To be able to get alone with God and pray and get answers to prayer. And so oftentimes the devil will frustrate us because um, we're not seeing those answers to prayer. And so we want to try to um, fix that here in these Wednesday nights. Now, 1 John chapter 5, and we'll read verses 13 and 14. 1 John 5, 13 and 14. Folks at home, please have your Bible open as we read together. 1 John chapter 5, 13 and 14. Put the camera directly on me for the scripture reading, would you please? Thank you. All right. Let's uh, read together these two verses, all right? And then you may be seated. Here we go. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Now let's read the next verse too. We may as well. We're on a roll here. This is good. And if we know that he hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. You may be seated. Tadala, do you think you could uh, go and relieve our brother Alvin at this time? Thank you. Well, Andrew Murray was a tremendous Christian pastor and a man of prayer and he wrote books on prayer i read them and they're good andrew murray knew how to pray he had a lot of good things to say and here's one thing that he said some people pray just to pray and some people pray to know god and this is more in keeping with the true spirit of prayer that we pray so that we get to know God more and more and more. Let's never stop our journey in getting to know more and more about God. Don't ever think that you know all there is to know about God. God is absolutely infinite. And you will never, all through eternity, you will never learn all there is to know about God. He is just that great. Well, I want to go over a very quick a thumbnail, a kind of a review, a thumbnail sketch. Um, a few weeks ago in lesson one, we said get on praying ground. Make sure you're saved, fix anything that's broken, and allow time for the Holy Spirit to comfort and strengthen your heart. And that, believe it or not, that third little tip there is important to drawing close to God. Because you, you give time for the Holy Spirit just waiting quietly before the Holy Spirit, and He's going to comfort your heart, and He's going to start drawing you heavenward. So I know a little of what I speak. 
This is very important. In lesson two, we said, let the Lord speak to your heart by reading the Scriptures. And I gave you three suggestions what to look for as you read. Now remember, if uh, you've forgotten anything, you can always go back to the um, messages online and you can watch them. And in that message also I said, then it becomes your turn to speak to God. And I gave you six suggestions as to what you can say to God. What we're doing here, it's sort of we're, we're courting a, a, a deep, beautiful relationship with God. That's what we're doing. And I'm just kind of giving you some ideas, some suggestions on how to, uh, to improve that, that closeness you have with God. In lesson three, we spoke of conversational prayer throughout the day. And that gets us into the habit of being comfortable in God's presence. Uh, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but uh, how many of you have been starting to talk to God throughout the day over little things, asking God for his opinion on things? That's an important tip. Uh, get into that habit. That'll pay off. Um, I gave you six suggestions on how to do that. Then a week ago, I spoke on moving the arm of God through prayer alone. And the key, we zeroed in on the key last week, was to delight ourselves in the Lord. As we learn how to delight, we make God our delight. Now last Sunday afternoon was Super Bowl. And some guys and gals just live for Super Bowl. That's their delight. They, they love football all you know season long, but Super Bowl, boy, that's like the Holy Grail. And they just delight in it. And nothing and no one will keep them away from it. If they're scheduled for work, they call in sick. Even if they have to break a leg or something, they, you know, they're not going there. They're going to watch the, the Super Bowl because they delight in it. And you and I, we need to learn to delight in the Lord. Remember, we're going to spend all eternity by His side. And so I, um, I, I suggested to you that when we delight ourselves in the Lord, that's when the Lord says, whoa, stop, stop the presses. I think I've found someone through whom I can show myself strong. So in the context of moving the arm of God through prayer alone, that's how it's done. It's done as we learn to really delight in the Lord. Delight to be able to get alone with Him. Delight to let His Scriptures speak to our heart. Delight just to kneel or lay quietly before the Holy Spirit for a few moments. Delight to be able to express our, ourselves to him, knowing that uh, one day this veil of flesh will drop and we'll, we'll be with the Lord. And things will really be good then. Well, tonight, I'd like to deal with some of the specific things that we can go to God and uh, ask him for and we'll get answers to. I want to deal with some of them. Not all of them because there's too many. But I want to give you the idea so that you, at least you can Keep the ball rolling. So let's have a word of prayer. And then uh, let's get into this subject tonight. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, thank you for this wonderful thing called prayer. And through it, we can grow. And through it, we can see things happen in our lives, in our the lives of our family, friends, here in this country and around the world. There's no distance to prayer. Our Father, teach us to pray. Help us tonight as we look at a few specific things and give us wisdom along this line. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, you've got your Bible open at 1 John chapter 5. Let's take a look here once again. Verse number 14. And this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything, now watch these next four words. Say them out loud with me. According to His will. If we ask anything, according to His will. Without those four words in there, we wouldn't get the true understanding. But here in this chapter, it explains to us that there are things that God will listen to and there are things that God will not listen to when we go to prayer. Now, when we say that God will not listen, what we mean is that He will not listen with approval so as to grant us those things. I mean, he hears what we say. There's no question about that. It's not like he goes uh, tone deaf or something and he, he can't hear a word. It's that he's not listening with approval. There's no smile on his face. And when we begin praying for things that are not his will, I could be wrong, but I, I sort of have a feeling that up in heaven, God maybe closes his eyes, he shakes his head, he says, oh... There he goes again. It's that sort of not listening to what we have to say. He doesn't want to hear that because we're not asking according to his will. So this verse is very important. Now this sort of praying, when we pray things that are not his will, it means that we're not asking for things in accordance with his perfect will for our lives. Understand this, that God is an absolutely perfect God. And he knows everything, everything, everything. And it's like a master chess player who can have all of the moves mapped out in his mind. And each move he makes sort of forces the opponent to have to make another move. And before you know it, he's won the game. Well, when we start moving pieces outside of the plan, that's when the whole game can kind of go south. And we can mess things up. God in His wisdom, He knows exactly what to do. Now, as I say, when we pray for things that are not in accordance with His perfect will, these things that we're praying for, sometimes they can just be plain worldly or even sinful things. We may not realize that they're that worldly because maybe we haven't grown enough in Christ. Uh, we need to grow some more and then we realize, oh, what was I praying that for? That wasn't right. So they can be worldly things or sometimes the things we're praying for might be in themselves good things. But the problem is it's not part of God's will for our lives. Those things may be part of God's will for someone else's life. But what is God's will for our lives? And I think that draws a line in the sand. And maybe that's why some Christians never get further in prayer because in their heart they're secretly saying well huh, I'm not sure I want to do his will I mean I, I want this is my life my life my choice I think I ought to have some say in it and if I want to go to the right I want to go to the right and if I want to go to the left I want to go to the left and I think that God would spoil all my fun if I wanted to go to the right and he said go to the left so I'm not sure I want to pray now, that sounds kind of immature, and there's a reason for that. It's because it is. 
that is uh, very immature. And as we get older in the Lord, hopefully we realize His way is best. And all we can do is make a mess of things. When we uh, want our way and it has to be our decision, sometimes God will let us, all right, you know, go for it, knock yourself out. And that's what happens. We knock ourselves out of the game. We end up with fourth best instead of first best, you know, the best. If we had only done it God's way. So God in his wonderful wisdom, uh, he knows exactly what we need. He knows what's best. He knows what will bring us joy. He knows what is good for us and what will bring him glory. And he maps out a plan for our lives. And what we need to do is yield and crown him King of Kings and Lord of Lords of our lives. And that's what revival is when we get back to that relationship. That Lord, you are smarter than me, wiser, stronger, better, more resilient. You are everything, Lord. I am just a sinner saved by grace and I yield myself to you. And when we have that attitude, that's, that's revival. And that's what we want. We want to live in revival every day. We want day-to-day revival. And that's the, the way to get it, is in that relationship. And so the things that he wants us to pray for are the things that are according to his will. And so if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. He hears us with joy. He hears us with approval. He hears us and it begins to bring the answer. Now bear in mind that some answers take a long time to come. If we're praying for, um, I don't know, Aunt Matilda to get saved, well, that's a good thing to pray for. But, um, and it brings God's approval. But God may have to do a lot of work in Aunt Matilda's heart because he will not force her to be saved. He has to work in a lot of circumstances and it may take months or years before Aunt Matilda comes to a point of realizing, I need a Savior. All the while we're praying and praying and it's moving the arm of God. It may be inch by inch, but it's moving. And one day, it's going to reach the destination. So, how do we know what these things are? These things uh, spoken of here, or re- at least referred to in 1 John chapter 5, if we ask anything according to His will. How do we know what those things are? Well, uh, tonight I'm going to uh, start something. But there are two basic categories to the perfect will of God. Notice I said the perfect will of God. There's two categories Number one, category number one, is the revealed will of God. The revealed perfect will of God. Category number two is the hidden perfect will of God. And I'll explain what I mean by these terms. Now tonight we're going to talk about the first category. God's revealed will. Now a question for you. A question for you. Where does God reveal to us? His perfect will. Does anyone know? Where? Let me hear you. A little louder. The Bible, right. In the Bible. In the Bible, we have God's 
perfect will. Now, I don't know who the author was of the following quote. I'm going to read you something. But I believe that what this person wrote is absolutely true. Listen to this. The Bible contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy. Its precepts are binding. Its histories are true. And its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise. Believe it to be safe. Practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's charter. Here, paradise is restored, heaven opened, and hell disclosed. The Lord Jesus Christ is its grand object, our good its design, and the glory of God its end. Read it slowly, frequently, prayerfully. Let it fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. It is a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. It is given you in life, will be opened in the judgment and remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, will reward the highest labor, and will condemn all who trifle with its sacred contents. End of quote. Isn't that just breathtaking? That is really well put. I believe God went to great lengths to write us a perfect Bible. As we understand, it took 1,400 years to get the complete canon of Scripture. God used over 40 different human authors. He moved on their hearts and minds to tell them what to write. He worked within each individual's human capacity. Most of these authors never even met each other. And yet as we examine all of their writings, they fit together so perfectly. It's amazing. Every other book written by every other world religion is generally written by one person. Look what God did. God absolutely transcended this whole thing. And He gave us a perfect Bible. When that which is perfect has come. And I believe that to be the Bible. And so, His Bible is the revelation of His will for our lives. Now, you know that, uh, for example, the Bible contains many do's and don'ts. There are many of those found in the Bible. But these do's and don'ts are put there as safeguards to help us and keep us safe and protect us. Like a, a fence, perhaps, protects us from falling over a cliff. These do's and don'ts are there for a reason. And the don'ts, also tell us the things we should not be praying for. Now we're going to take a look at a few examples tonight. So let's begin in the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. Would you turn there to Jeremiah, the right-hand side of Psalms. And let's see, after Isaiah, Jeremiah, chapter number 45. Isaiah 45.
I'm sorry, Jeremiah. Did I say Isaiah? Yeah, it happens, you know, sometimes when you're, you're teaching the Bible or you're preaching, is that you have one thing in mind, but you say something else. So I meant Jeremiah chapter 45. Jeremiah 45. Now, I'd like you to look, please, at verse number 5. And seekest thou great things for thyself? Seek them not. I'd like to suggest you underline those words in your Bible. Seekest thou great things for thyself? Seek them not. Here's one of the don'ts. God is telling us what not to pray for. Don't bother trying to pray for great honors for yourself. Numerous scriptures tell us to walk humbly with our God. We're told that pride goeth before what? A fall. Yeah, and a haughty spirit before destruction. Lots of scriptures tell us this. So don't be out looking for great honors, great positions. Oh, I want to get the corner office, you know, with four or five secretaries out there at my beck and call. I want a chauffeur and a limousine and the company jet. And Don't be pushing for that stuff because God is telling us not to do it. It's a pitfall. And if we push hard, I mean, when we start praying for that, God is probably closing his eyes and shaking his head again. Oh, no, here he goes again. And he's not going to listen to us with approval. Well, let's go to the New Testament and we'll look at another example. We'll go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. 2 Corinthians chapter number 6. Second Corinthians chapter number 6. And look please with me at verse number 14. Second Corinthians 6, 14. Again, I suggest you underline this. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. This would be like um, going after someone who's not saved, someone who's not a Christian, going after an un or a non, non-Christian person to marry them. Don't do it. Don't do it. Oh, but Lord, you know, I can help them become a Christian. Oh, look how beautiful they are. Look how handsome they are. Look how rich they are. Oh, Lord, that's the one I want. Don't do it. It's one of the don'ts. God is trying to save us from heartache and falling over a cliff. And so God is telling us what not. To pray for. Oh no. There he goes. There she goes again. Oh no. Praying for these wrong things. You see. God is telling us. Some of the things. What not to pray for. And let's look at one more. Let's turn to the left. To the book of Romans. Chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And. Let's see. How about you help me read verse number 19? Folks at home, you read out loud too with us. Okay, Romans 12, 19, all together. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. 
Oh, Father in heaven, he hurt me so bad, I want you to smack him good. Oh, Heavenly Father, she insulted me in public. I want you to cut her hair off. I want you to disfigure her. I want you, I want you to make sure he loses his job. I want you to make sure, Lord, kill him, Lord. Barbecue him. Remember the sons of thunder, James and John, came to Jesus once, and they were all upset about someone who didn't do what they thought they should or did something wrong. And they went to Jesus. They said, Lord, should we call fire down from heaven upon them? And then Jesus said to them, Ye know not of what spirit ye are. Angry spirit. Don't seek vengeance. Don't be going to God and praying, trying to get vengeance, to extract vengeance trying to move the arm of God to, to smack or zap someone who you think has offended you. You need to give place under wrath. You need to roll those things into the Lord's hand. You let the Lord settle the accounts. You can cry if you're hurt, if you've been taken advantage of or something. You tell the Lord that. I've had people do that to me over the years of my ministry. And some of them have done some very nasty things to me. So I have to give them into the hands of the Lord. And here's something that I've learned. Vengeance doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. And if I go seeking God and praying, asking God to uh, smack him good, or maybe let me smack him, Lord, can I smack him? God is saying, oh, no, 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 no. There they go again, asking for wrong things. We're not going to get God's loving approval. You see, in the Bible, some of those don'ts are, are pretty good because they tell us what not to pray for. And if we start praying for these things, God's not going to hear us with loving approval. So there are others, but I just wanted to give you a sampling of it. But then there are many things, many things, that God tells us that we can pray for. And he'd be happy, happy to give them to us. So let's, let's look at a few of them. Let's turn back to the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 11. Now the Lord Jesus here is teaching about prayer. In verse 1, the disciples came to Jesus at the end of verse 1. They said, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And then the Lord begins with what we call the Lord's Prayer. It's a model prayer and it's a wonderful prayer. And I've prayed it myself many times over the years. But it was never meant to be the only thing we pray. In fact, you won't find this model repeated elsewhere in the New Testament. It's only in the Gospels. Matthew and Luke in particular. And so he, he goes through a lot of these wonderful uh, subject headings, but then he starts getting into examples of how we ought to be praying. And in verse 9 he says, Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Uh, and then he says something interesting. 
uh, he, he uses the example of bread and fish and an egg and so on. Um, and in verse 13, if ye then being evil, now Jesus said to his disciples, if ye then being evil, imagine that, that Jesus would call his disciples evil. But what is he saying? The difference between evil and good. Good is building up, building up, strengthening, blessing. Evil is tearing down, tearing down and destroying. And people, that's what we have a habit of doing sometimes. Someone will say something, we'll tear it down. Or we'll just make terrible comments about someone. They may not even be here to defend themselves, but we'll talk about them behind their back. And this is what Jesus is getting at. This is the evil where we pull people down, we tear people down. And that's wrong. It's never right to do wrong. And that's wrong. Tearing people down like that. And so Jesus is sort of giving the stark truth. If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children. Now watch this. How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Now the only benefit of having the Holy Spirit uh, in us is what He can do. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, He can do things. There's His power and there's His wisdom. There's the comfort He gives He's able to lift us up out of the miry clay. And this is something the Heavenly Father wants to do. Romans chapter 8 teaches us that when we're saved, the Holy Spirit comes into us. He doesn't leave like a yo-yo. He's out one day, he's in the next, he's out again, he's in, he's up and he's down and who knows where he is. No, you're saved, he's in you. You don't have to worry if you've ever lost the Holy Spirit, you are sealed unto the day of redemption. It's the Holy Spirit who does that. And that's in the book of Ephesians we're taught that. And so when we're saved, the Holy Spirit comes in. And that's good to know. But now, we have the Holy Spirit, but does He have us? And this is where the yielding comes in. So that the Holy Spirit can start His wonderful work through us. And God the Father really wants to Give us the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's something we can all pray for. Every one of us. We can pray and we can ask the Lord to fill us with the Holy Spirit. Remember that idea of filling is the same idea of filling an office. Um, I know of several churches that don't have a pastor. The office of pastor is empty in those churches. And they have good people and deacons and some of them even own their own building but they have no pastor. And so they need to fill that office with a pastor. So this is the idea here of the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled. He needs to fill the office of leader and chief and the boss, if you will. We need to yield to Him every day. And as we do, He will fill us. Well, will I have the strength of Samson? Well, do you need the strength of Samson? Well, I'd sure like to have it. Do you need it? Well, probably not. You won't get it. Well, if the Holy Spirit fills me, will I have the wisdom of Solomon? Do you need the wisdom of Solomon? Well, I want to have the wisdom of Solomon in case two 
mothers come to me with one baby, you know, I want to be able to lift up a sword and, you know, find out which one is the real mother. Can I have the wisdom of Solomon? You see where this is going? The Holy Spirit will give us everything we need in order to do the will of God. The will of God for my life is not to be able to uh, pull the, the door and posts and lintel off you know, the wall of, of the city, you know, of one of the Philistine cities. That's not the will of God for my life. His will for my life is not to take the jawbone of, a, of an ass and to, to slay 3,000 trained soldiers. That's not His will for my life. And so the Holy Spirit, well, can the Holy Spirit do it? Yes, the Holy Spirit can do it. But He's not going to do that in me because it's not God's will. But there are other things for which I need the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the things I need the power of the Holy Spirit for, and you too, too, is to overcome the world and the flesh and the devil. And we need the Holy Spirit for that on a daily basis. And the Heavenly Father is happy, happy, happy when He hears you praying, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Empty me of self. I yield myself to You. The Father is very happy to answer that prayer. That's a good one. He wants to answer that one. There's other scriptures also that back this up. Now, let's go to the book of James. We're going to finish here. Just a couple of minutes, I'm done. But the book of James, right near the um, end of the New Testament, right after Hebrews, James, and chapter number 1. Chapter number 1. All right, let's read verse number 5 together. James chapter 1, verse 5. Everyone reading, let's do it together. Here we go. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Now there's a bona fide promise of God. There's something you can ask for is wisdom. You're at work and you need wisdom. You're talking to someone, you need wisdom. You're afraid about tomorrow. You need wisdom. Sometimes I get to work with little mechanical things. That's sort of my hobby. And I'm often asking God for wisdom. Often. It's amazing what God will do for you. Boy, I tell you, I've got sermons that I've preached, entire sermons on this subject of wisdom. It says that God will give it liberally. That means in large liberal doses. And it says, uh, and upbraideth not. He's not going to chew you out. Oh, you foolish daughter, you foolish son, what's wrong with you? You got rocks in your head or something. Where'd the brains I gave you? Why aren't you thinking? Think, man, think. Come on, do I have to do everything for you? God's not going to chew us out like that. He's, He's going to give us wisdom. When we ask Him for wisdom, He says, He promises He'll give wisdom. And He does. Uh, if you're in the kitchen and a recipe's not going well, ask Him for wisdom. He'll show you what to do. If you lose something around the house and, Lord, I've been searching for 20 minutes, half an hour, I still can't find it. Have you asked God for wisdom to help show you where it is? No, I haven't. I've been looking in my own strength. Well, pause and pray and ask God for wisdom to show you where that thing is. God is amazing how he can show us where lost car keys are. Huh? 
or even you lose your cell phone and there's no one else to call it to make it ring, you can't find it, or you drop some pin or some little part or something and it hits the floor and bounces, it's gone. The Lord knows where it is. Ask Him for wisdom. So there's something that you can ask and He is happy, happy when you ask. One more. Go to chapter 5 of James and verse number 14. James 5.14 says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, I don't have time to go into all of the, the background and details of this, but the basic bottom line is God says we can pray for sick people. That's our Bible verse that tells us when someone is sick, pray for them. That's why on our prayer list, we have sick people. And listen to me, I hope every one of you are praying for the people who need a physical touch of healing. They're on the prayer list. Pray for them every day because you never know. Next week, you may be the one sick and really appreciating the church family praying for you. So listen, you're investing in your own future. If you will pray for the brothers and sisters that are whose names are on the, the prayer list for the sickness. You pray for them. You be faithful because your name could be next and you'd sure want them praying for you. Imagine that. Um, humorous story just comes to mind. My mother, um, my mother was born in 1912 and she grew up in a one-room schoolhouse. So that's going back there quite a ways. And so uh, I think it was um, a Valentine's Day. And the teacher said, okay, it's going to be Valentine's uh, next week, whatever. Make sure that you, uh, you know, make some Valentine's. We'll give Valentine's to each other. It's a small little school. And so all the kids, you know, did this. And so on Valentine's Day, you know, there here's one for you, and here Johnny, one for you, and they were handing out their Valentines. And all of a sudden, one of the kids noticed one of the other boys sitting there, you know, all by himself. And uh, they they asked him, "Do you, do you, do you have any Valentines?" He says, "No." Didn't anyone give you a Valentine? He said, "No, no one gave me a Valentine." Hey, everyone. Hey, no one gave him a valentine. Oh, and they all kind of gather on. Here, you can have one of mine. And no one gave me any valentines. Oh, you, here, you have one of mine. And then someone asked him, well, did you give a valentine to anyone? And he got real silent. And then he said, well, I can't remember you all. <laughs> Which was his way of saying he never gave out any. So you reap what you sow. So make sure that you're praying for sick folks because you'll reap what you sow. Because if it's your turn next week, then the others will be praying for you. So George Mueller was another one of these phenomenal men of God who was really exceptionally powerful in prayer. And what he would do when there was something he wanted to pray about is he would go to the Bible and he would start studying the Bible, looking for a Bible verse that would be like God's stamp of approval. A Bible verse that would sort of give him heavenly permission to go to the Heavenly Father and to pray for this thing. 
And uh, most of the time he could find Bible verses. You say, did it work? Well, when Mueller became an older man, he stood up once and he announced to his church that he has received over 30,000 answers to prayer. Over 30,000. And then he said, you may wonder how I know that. He said, because I write them down. Every prayer request, I write it down. And then when God answers it, I put the date there when God answered it. And he had over 30,000 of them. So yes, I think his method was a good method. If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. By studying the Bible, we can learn many things that God gives us direct permission to pray for. And he promises that he will hear with approval and he will answer us. But things like, uh, what house should I buy? Well, what chapter and verse do we go to? What car should I buy? Well, there is no Bible verse that we can think of. What person should I marry? Well, as long as they're saved, here are ten saved people. I could pick any, which one? Well, this is called category number two. His hidden will. And we're going to get into that next week. Tonight was his revealed will. Next week, his hidden will. Would you pray with me now? Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.